Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to another edition of Fair Territory coming to you Tuesday this week because of the holiday. People often ask, Ken, when is your downtime during the year? And I always reply, really, there is no downtime. Actually, this time of year is supposed to be the time when we're really just focusing on pennant races, kind of enjoying the stretch run. Well, this past week was one of your wilder ones in Major League Baseball. We had waiver week. We discussed that extensively on foul territory. And then on Labor Day, a day of rest, we had two major stories break. The first being Julio Urias's arrest on suspicion of a felony charge of a corporal injury on a spouse, and then Shohei Otani's agent, Nez Bilello of CAA, finally addressed Shohei's torn UCL, his situation. And we'll start there, and then we'll get into Urias and the pennant races as well. Shohei Otani, well, now Nez Bilello says it's inevitable he will need a procedure on his torn UCL. That was kind of what we all thought from the first jump here, but we had not heard it from him. And Bilello also said that Otani will be in somebody's lineup next year DHing when the bell rings. That would be opening day 2024. Now then, after he spoke, we had another development in the Otani saga. He gets scratched from Monday night's game with right oblique tightness. Now this could conceivably, depending on the severity of the injury, if it's an injury at all, affect and accelerate the timetable for him getting this procedure. But what I wrote about today in The Athletic is this idea of getting from point A, the procedure, to point B, opening day 2024, as a hitter. Can Shohei Otani do that? And in talking to some medical experts on Monday night, they basically said the most likely outcome for Otani, and these are guys who have not examined Otani or seen his records, but they're speculating, informed speculation on just what they know. And they said the most likely outcome is this new hybrid procedure that a number of pitchers have undergone. It's a Tommy John surgery, yes, an elbow ligament replacement, and it's also, in addition to that, an internal bracing procedure in which they put a brace on it and theoretically make the ligament even stronger. And for Otani, where this gets a little complicated is this will be his second Tommy John. Now, Nez Bilello said the tear is in a different place. The people I spoke to didn't necessarily think that mattered. You get a reconstruction, you're getting a reconstruction, period. So can he be ready as a hitter opening day 2024? Nez Bilello certainly wants you to believe that. Shohei Otani certainly wants you to believe that. And more importantly, they want the teams that will be pursuing Otani as a free agent to believe that as well. Where this gets complicated is that it's a second procedure, a revision. The rehabilitation from such a procedure can be a little bit more extensive, more involved, more delicate, riskier. And also, 
I go back to that story Evan Drellick wrote shortly after the diagnosis of Otani, in which he quoted doctors as saying, the best way for Otani to return as a top pitcher is to not hit at all next season if he undergoes a procedure and simply focus on his rehabilitation. Well, Nesbolello says that, that is not going to happen. Of course, Otani wants to be ready to DH by opening day. Of course, Nesbolello wants to believe that he will be ready to DH by opening day. But I am not sure it's in the best interest of Otani to accelerate it to that level. I know Bryce Harper did it. That was a first Tommy John. Otani most likely will be signing a long-term deal. I would think his next team will say, listen, take your time. We've got you for 8, 10 years, whatever the case might be. We don't need you back opening day. And I would think Otani, it's in his best interest to take all the time he needs to get this right. So we'll see what happens here. But will it happen that he is back opening day 2024 after he undergoes this procedure, which could be a reconstruction? It could be a repair, which is less of a recovery. could be a number of things, I guess. But most likely, it is a reconstruction. If he's ready by opening day 2024, great. But why rush it? There's no reason to rush it except to say to teams, hey, we're going to be there, man. We'll be ready. Pay us whatever. Not sure that's going to happen. Julio Urias, much different story, obviously, much more troubling story, obviously. As I said at the top, he was arrested Sunday night on suspicion of a felony charge, a felony of a corporal injury on a spouse. He was released on $50,000 bond. MLB is conducting an investigation as it always does in these matters. And remember, Julio Urias was arrested in 2019 on suspicion of domestic battery. He was not charged, but he received a 20-game suspension from Major League Baseball. And with the domestic violence policy that baseball has in place in conjunction with the players' union, you know that a player does not need to be charged. He does not need to be convicted to be suspended. So here is Julio Urias facing a second offense under this policy. Now, let's go through this a little bit. The first thing we need to talk about, obviously, and the first concern should be the victim. That's number one here. Let's put that above anything else before we get to the baseball, before we get to Urias' career. Too often when we discuss these matters, we're not talking about the victim. So that's number one. We know the Dodgers issued a statement on Monday night after this news came out. They issued the usual statement that teams issue in these matters. We are aware of an incident involving Julio Urias. While we attempt to learn all the facts, he will not be traveling with the team. The organization has no further comment at this time. So his next court date is September 27th. That's toward the end of the regular season, right near the end of the regular season. He's not coming back before then. He probably is not coming back for the postseason either. Can you imagine the Dodgers allowing Urias to pitch again when this matter is unresolved? Can you imagine MLB being comfortable with that happening? And yes, he is presumed innocent. Of course, that's the way our system works. That's the way the policy works as well. But generally, these players are placed on administrative leave or the restricted list while we go through this and while Major League Baseball addresses the matter. So let's talk baseball a little bit. How does this affect the Dodgers, first of all? Well, they still have Clayton Kershaw. They still have Lance Lynn. They've got the two kids, Bobby Miller and Emmett Sheehan. They've got Walker Bueller on a rehabilitation assignment coming off Tommy John surgery. So who knows what he can contribute or not. 
The Dodgers, obviously, without Urias, as inconsistent as his season has been, are not going to be as strong going into the playoffs. That's number one when it comes to the Dodgers. As for Urias himself, you go back to May. I wrote a column for The Athletic in which I described him as the most intriguing free agent not named Shohei Otani. And the reason I wrote that is because Urias will be hitting the market entering his age 27 season, the youngest starting pitcher free agent of prominence since Greg Maddox. And that was many, many years ago, 31 years ago to be precise. I wrote at the time that it was likely he would become the seventh pitcher to get a $200 million contract. I would be surprised under these circumstances, depending on the outcome of this, of course, depending on what more we learn, if he gets anywhere close to $200 million. So this is a story that obviously will be developing and will be following, but devastating news all around. Number one, the victim, and also there's an impact on the team and Urias as well. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Let's talk about some pennant race baseball a little bit. We've got two really intriguing races going on right now. We've got a lot of intriguing races, but two that I want to focus on. Two that are the most, well, the closest, for lack of a better phrase. And let's start with the AL West and the AL Wildcard. We'll start by showing you the standings. And then we'll get into some playoff odds and talk about some other things as well. All right, the AL West. You see it right now. Seattle and Houston tied for first place. This is entering Tuesday's play with Texas a game out. And in the wild card race, the Blue Jays are a factor here. You see Tampa Bay there. They're quite comfortable, obviously. They're still chasing the Orioles for the division title. And then you have at least one of the West teams getting in and maybe the Blue Jays. Now, the Blue Jays are an interesting team. They're barely hanging on. They have not played the way anyone anticipated this season. They've not been as strong. But if you look at the playoff odds right now, they're right there. Even with Bo Bichette on the injured list, even with Matt Chapman on the injured list, even with Danny Jansen on the injured list, they're playing guys like Ernie Clement and David Schneider and Spencer Horowitz. But they are right there in large part because Texas has collapsed. Texas has gone 4-13 in their last 17 games, and you see the current odds, according to fan graphs, Houston and Seattle, really good chance. Texas and Toronto, it's a little bit dicier. Texas was at 95.1% at the start of this 4-13 slide. So look at how much they've been affected. How do I see this playing out? I'm not sure. Texas needs to get its bullpen together. That would be helpful for their chances. And the Blue Jays, should they get healthy and maybe start playing to the level that everyone has thought they could play at all season long, maybe they slip in and Texas is out. 
The Blue Jays, if they get in, they've got the pitching to do some things, the starting pitching in particular. But we will have to see how that all shakes out. Now, the other intriguing race, in my opinion anyway, is for the third National League wildcard. It's a free-for-all, folks. Let's look at the standings first, just as we did with the AL West and wildcard. You see Philadelphia and the Cubbies, they're kind of comfortable right now. They should be in the playoffs. Maybe the Cubs get the division title, though that is going to be difficult with Milwaukee holding a somewhat sizable lead. Arizona, Cincinnati, tied for the third wildcard. Miami, one half game back. San Francisco, one game back. Now, you look at these playoff odds, it's a mad scramble. Really up for grabs, right? Arizona, 38.7%. San Francisco, 35.4%. Miami, 25.2%. Cincinnati, 20.9%. Now, keep in mind, when we talk about the playoff odds, the way Fangraphs calculates them, they're based on the current standings, the remaining schedule, each team's projected performance, and they put all that together, and then they project the rest of the season 20,000 times. There's a simulation program that they run. So, really, it's up for grabs. And what's fascinating to me about this race is that each of these teams has kind of gone through a really rough period. The Diamondbacks, remember, they had that 7-25 and stretch after the All-Star break. The Marlins, that 13-28 and run extended beyond August, both before and after. And then the Reds, they were 46.2% playoff odds at the deadline, didn't add pitching. Now they've got guys on the COVID list. They've got guys hurt. They're kind of a mess from a pitching perspective. And finally, the Giants, not exactly on fire here with their two starting pitchers and bullpenning every other day. They're in the middle of a 16-27 and 27 stretch. This is life with an expanded playoff field. You're going to get teams that aren't exactly on fire at all points of the season. But some of these teams, well, at least one of them, is going to get in. And who do I like the most? I would say Arizona, simply because of Merrill Kelly and Zach Gallon. Those two guys at the front of a rotation give them, the Arizona Diamondbacks, perhaps more of an edge than any of the other clubs have with regard to their starting pitching. But again, it's up for grabs. It's who gets hot. And listen, it's going to be a really exciting month down the stretch here. A really exciting end to the pennant race. And we could see some other things happen as well. Maybe Tampa Bay catches the Orioles. Maybe the Cubs catch the Brewers. Or at least make that final series of the season, Cubs-Brewers, interesting. Well, we'll see what happens. Time now for the Inside Dish. This is the part of the show where I go inside a story that maybe I've written or inside a developing story in Major League Baseball. And I want to go back to a momentous decision that was made last week by the Chicago White Sox, but perhaps did not receive the attention that it might have if a hundred other things had not been going on. And what I'm referring to, of course, is the White Sox hiring of Chris Getz, their farm director, their promotion of Chris Getz, to general manager. Now, after that happened, I wrote for the windup, that's the Athletics Free Daily Baseball Newsletter, about a situation that occurred when two executives from diverse groups reached out to me and asked basically the same question. And the question they asked was, did the White Sox interview a group of diverse candidates? And the answer was no. The White Sox didn't interview any outside candidates at all. They simply promoted Chris Getz. So when it comes to diverse hiring, the White Sox did not violate any of Major League Baseball's requirements. 
The White Sox owner, Jerry Reinsdorf, has what MLB considers to be a very strong record when it comes to high-profile hires from candidates from diverse groups, underrepresented backgrounds. The White Sox have had a manager from a diverse background 21 of the past 26 seasons, 21 out of 26. So some fans will always ask whenever we engage in such discussions, why does this matter? Some fans will ask, why talk about race? Well, I always find that fans find it convenient to talk about race when they want to talk about race and inconvenient to talk about race when they don't want to talk about race, to each his own. But I do want to talk about this because it's an issue that MLB has prioritized, hiring candidates from diverse groups. They put pipelines in place. They're trying to make their sport look more at the executive and managing and coaching level like it does at the playing level. That's what a responsible company is going to do. So I know fans, most fans, most people think that just the best qualified person should be hired. We all probably can agree with that. But the question that is raised here is, how do the White Sox know Chris Getz is the best qualified? They didn't interview anyone else. So then we go back to Major League Baseball's guidelines for hiring from diverse groups. And they do have these guidelines in place. And when a team like the White Sox goes about it the way they did, they have to provide the league, the commissioner's office, with an explanation of why they did it in the fashion that they did. Now, this is a delicate balance. Everyone can agree on that as well. You want organizations to feel comfortable promoting from within want people to feel like they have a chance to move upward in your organization. And you don't want to conduct sham interviews. No one wants to just say, okay, interview these three candidates from underrepresented backgrounds to say we did. That's a waste of time. It's a waste of everybody's time. It's stupid. So this is a delicate situation. It's a delicate balance. But this is a question of opportunity. And that's what the two executives were asking about. They were not saying you have to hire someone from a diverse group for this job. No one is saying that. What they're saying and what they were asking is why wasn't the access given? Why weren't people interviewed? And you know what? When the Mets hire their president of baseball operations, and most likely it's going to be David Stearns, they're going to face the same questions. And these, in my opinion, are fair questions. And I know people get all bent out of shape about this, but this is simply a matter of fairness. It is simply a matter of giving people from all backgrounds opportunity. In the White Sox case, it also is a matter of closing off everyone on the outside from an organization that has struggled on the inside. I don't know why they would do that in the first place, but that's kind of a different issue. Again, question of fairness. That's why I wrote about it. That's why I will continue writing about it. Because if you're going to talk the talk when you're at Major League Baseball, you have to walk the walk. And in this case, it was a closed process, period. Closed process. All right, dude and dork of the week. We've had an entire show so far and we haven't even talked about the NL MVP race, which might be the most fascinating story in the entire sport. And it leads me to my dude of the week. That would be Ronald Acuna Jr. of the Atlanta Braves. Now, we all know right now it's Acuna versus Betts for the MVP of the National League. Yes, Freeman is great. Yes, Olsen is great. But Acuna and Betts are a cut above even them. And Acuna went into Dodger Stadium 
over the weekend, went into Dodger Stadium with this debate raging, and he had a series for the ages. Let me go through the numbers. Six for 17, three home runs, two walks, two stolen bases, a tidy 1.362 OPS, reaches a level of play that no player has ever reached, 30 homers and 60 stolen bases. Oh, and by the way, this doesn't count in the MVP race, but he also got married at the start of that series. And the reason he got married, if you didn't follow that story, was that his fiance's visa was about to expire and he wanted to ensure that she could stay in the country with their two children while the season continued. He didn't want her to have to go back to Venezuela. So he gets married. He has this monster series. Mookie had a good series as well. Mookie was 5 for 15 with two home runs. But Acuna, who in some ways might face an uphill battle in this race, Mookie's the war leader. Mookie has the advanced metrics. He has the defensive versatility. Well, Acuna made a statement of his own, and it's going to be fascinating to watch this down the stretch to see these two guys continue to go at it. Dork of the Week, I touched on this last week in foul territory, but I want to go back to it. My Dork of the Week is the collective Cleveland Guardians front office. And yes, they made the waiver claims of Lucas Giolito, Reynaldo Lopez, and Matt Moore last week. But in my view, too little too late. And kind of a makeup call for what they did at the deadline, which was trade players. They were sellers. Ahmad Rosario, gone. Josh Bell, gone. Aaron Savali, gone. And while they wanted to create opportunities for younger players, they didn't replace those guys. Or they didn't add, I should say. Why? Because they did not want to give up prospects. In the waiver situation, they did not have to give up prospects. They did get, in the Savali deal, a top prospect, Kyle Manzardo first baseman would come up in the Tampa Bay organization. But you're looking at most likely Terry Francona's last season. His last season. You want to sell at the deadline? Okay, that's consistent with what you've done in the past. We all know teams like the Guardians, lower revenue teams, try to protect and balance their future with their present. Understood. But then this makeup call, when you're five games out, too little, too late. And they got hammered by the Twins on Monday. They have two more games left with the Twins. They're six out. Were they ever going to really challenge claiming those three guys being five out on September 1st? I don't think so. And I'm not saying they shouldn't try. Of course, I always want teams to try. But the effort should have been made at the deadline. You could have done both. Added and subtracted. They didn't do that. Guardians front office, not loving it. Dorks of the week. It's been hot and sunny everywhere lately, so protecting your eyes is important, which is why I want to tell you about our new sponsor, Shady Rays. They are an independent sunglasses company that has a world-class product just as good as all of the expensive sunglasses out there. They have durable frames, extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures, and what really separates them is the best protection plan in the industry. And this is something really special. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. And if you don't love your Shady Rays, you can exchange them for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. That's a pretty good deal. It's like foolproof. So you can buy and wear your Shady Rays with the confidence that they will have your back. 
From building playsets for pediatric cancer patients to providing young adults with MS, the outdoor adventure of a lifetime, Shady Rays is helping communities all over the place. Shady Rays now are giving out their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the code F-O-U-L for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the Shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. This week on Fox, I believe FS1, I've got Seattle Mariners at the Tampa Bay Rays, potential postseason matchup. And what I'll be most looking forward to seeing, honestly, is where the Rays are in the AL East race at that time. As we tape this entering Tuesday's play, they are three and a half out, three and a half behind the Orioles. At this time of year, that's kind of a significant margin. They're in the playoffs. They've got a huge lead in the wild card race. They're comfortable in that regard. But of course, the key is winning the division, and Seattle will be playing for the same stake. Seattle, currently the AL West leader with Houston, and a division title for them would be the first since 2001 when they had Ichiro, all that going on. So clearly, Seattle, Tampa Bay will be playing for high stakes on FS1 this weekend. Okay, let's go now to the Grilling Ken questions, the questions you guys have for me. We're going to answer a few of them. And let's start with one that I found rather interesting. Will Buck Showalter keep his job? Buck Showalter is the Mets manager, of course. The Mets have had an incredibly disappointing season, of course. They undid their team at the deadline. And what has happened since, well, there's been some good, there's been some bad. Alonzo the good, some other things. But really, this is not a team that we're paying much attention to at this point. But the real question will be, okay, who is the next president of baseball operations? And yes, what will that mean for the future of Buck Showalter? The question might be, what does Buck Showalter want too? He has a year left on his contract. I don't imagine Showalter wants to leave the sport if this is indeed his last job on this sour note. I would imagine he wants to go out on a higher note and maybe you come back next season if the Mets want you back and you do it with a team that has perhaps lower expectations. They will have lower expectations and you go out in a better way. That's from Buck's perspective, from Showalter. From the Mets perspective, Probably a lot will depend on the president of baseball operations, most likely to be David Stearns, and what he sees as the future and the immediate future for the team. Now, keep in mind, I wrote about this last week. Craig Council is a free agent. If Stearns wants to bring Council to New York, if Council wants to come to New York, would they fire Showalter to get Council? I don't know. But that's a scenario that is in play. And this is one of the things that Obviously, Mets fans will be looking at, and the entire sport will be looking at once the season ends, the future of Buck Showalter. This one comes from Alexander M., who asks, Is there any hope at all for the future of the Chicago White Sox, or should I just prepare for endless agony? Alexander, if you're asking me an either-or question, I would take the endless agony. But if you remember, when the White Sox fired Ken Williams and Rick Hahn, I wrote a column saying, and quoting other executives as believing the White Sox job is actually quite a good job. They have some pieces in place. Luis Robert, foremost among them, Dylan Cease for another two years, Vaughn, a few other players as well. There's a core there. That's the start. Also, 
the White Sox play in an incredibly weak division. They are the team with the biggest resources from a financial perspective in that division. They should be able to return to prominence quickly. And the other aspect that makes the job appealing for this next GM, and Chris Getz has the job now, is the fact that it's the city of Chicago. There is a lot to recommend there. With some better decision-making, and we'll see if Getz can be that person to do that, this should be a turnaround that can happen, maybe not tomorrow, but it should be able to happen. A lot of fans I know in Chicago, White Sox fans, believe that nothing will change with this team until Jerry Reinsdorf is no longer the owner. Perhaps that is true. But if you're asking me, is the agony endless even with Reinsdorf? It shouldn't be. This is a team that should be able to fix itself and challenge in that weak division. I almost said pathetic, but I'm saying weak sometime in the near future. And finally, this comes from Roger Durr. Roger asks, which MLB teams are the front runners for signing Yoshinobu Yamamoto? Now, in case you don't know, Yamamoto is a 25-year-old Japanese pitcher who is going to be posted this offseason and will be one of the free agents most in demand. Again, 25. He is a pitcher who, in the past two seasons, has won both the MVP of the Pacific League and the Sawamura Award, which is the Japanese equivalent of the Cy Young. He's done this two years in a row. And if you're asking, well, how is he doing this year? Uh, well, how does a 1.34 ERA sound in 134 innings? Yamamoto will be in demand. And the Mets are one team that could be a front runner for him. Billy Epler has been over to see him. He's their GM. He's seen Yamamoto in Japan. He actually saw him in the World Baseball Classic as well. Other teams have seen him as well. The Mets have had good success with Kodai Senga, the Japanese pitcher they signed this year. Senga has spoken positively about the possibility of Yamamoto joining the Mets. But of course, there will be other teams in this as well. I would expect the Dodgers to be in it. I would expect the Giants, the Red Sox, the usual suspects. This is perhaps the most attractive Japanese pitcher we've seen come over Nanotani division since Masahiro Tanaka. And Tanaka, of course, came over at a young age as well, and that's why he got a big deal from the Yankees and had a very successful major league career. So we'll just have to see how it plays out with Yamamoto, but it's going to be quite an intriguing free agency, especially when Shohei Otani is not likely to pitch next season and when Urias's situation now, as we spoke earlier, is so much in question. Thanks to everyone for their questions. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week on Monday on the usual places. YouTube, Apple, Spotify. Watch us. Listen to us. Like us. Subscribe to us. We'll talk to you guys next week. Download the BetMGM Sports app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Use the bonus code FOUL. Sign up and deposit at least 10 bucks into your BetMGM Sportsbook account. And replace your first wager and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if that bet loses. If it loses, your bonus bets will be available once your wager is settled. Gambling problem or concern, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.